Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factory, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Ding. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. This should be episode 27 that we're broadcasting today. And it is with a friend of mine whom I've known for a few years now. We first met doing a candid, uh, it was a live stream and back then an in-person panel. Uh, since then, we've formed a pretty good friendship. We do a lot of very similar things. So we have a lot in common and a lot that we want to talk to you about today. So let me introduce to you guys Elizabeth Ngonzi, she usually just goes by Liz. She is the founder and CEO of the International Social Impact Institute. She's also an adjunct assistant professor and the faculty program developer of a new exciting program at NYU that we're both gonna be talking to you about today as part of what we're gonna talk about. But primarily, we're gonna talk about Liz's area of expertise, which is social, social media, storytelling, online fundraising, all of the things that we love so much. Liz's bio reads that she is an international social entrepreneur and educator who helps purpose-driven leaders and organizations to clarify, develop their stories for increased impact. She is the founder and CEO of the International Social Impact Institute, which through initiatives with the King Bowden, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Foundation US, Civicus Global Alliance, Nelson Mandela University in South Africa, the Resource Alliance in the UK, and others creates opportunities for and amplifies the voices of social impact leaders from historically marginalized communities around the world. As an adjunct assistant professor of fundraising at the Center for Global Affairs at NYU, she teaches digital storytelling, innovation and fundraising, and planning and executing virtual events and fundraisers that inspire and activate support both of which are part of the professional certificate program in digital fundraising she recently developed. Liz's superpower is leveling the playing field for change makers and social impact driven leaders from historically marginalized communities. With that, let's bring Liz on to tell her story. Hello, Boris. Thank you so very much for including me today. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm so excited to be here with you. Thanks, Liz. I'm excited to have you. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about getting you on the show and I'm glad totally. we finally had a chance to make it happen. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, and you did such a great, first of all, thank you for pronouncing my, my last name correctly. Most people botch it, right? Even if they've known me forever, they, they do. So thank you for doing so. Uh, and I'm so glad you're now part of the NYU program with us, which we'll get into later. Um, but um, should I go ahead and tell folks a little bit more about Yeah, my yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, your bio speaks volumes of the caliber <laughs> of work that you do, but yeah. let's find out a little bit more about you and, and, and your story. I, th I think what's, what, what most people don't know is that, you know, the kind of like storytelling is in my DNA, right? My, my, my late dad, Dr. John Rigondo, was Uganda's preeminent um, storyteller. I mean, he was a playwright. Um, you can find his, you know, you can find his Wikipedia page. You can find um, his books on Amazon. Uh, and he's someone who really was looking to tell the story of Africans at a time when we're going through independence and so much was going on. So that's, you know, so I've got him on one hand and then my mom um, was um, with the United Nations Development Program for 30 years, uh, retiring as the Deputy Director of Communications. And she used to travel around the world reporting and sharing about the different, different um, projects that they were supporting in, in developing countries. So this is how I grew up learning about all of this to learning about stories, meeting really incredible people, having these incredible experiences. So 
when I graduated from college, I went to work for corporate America. My parents were like, what? <laughs> that makes no sense. I, I did that for 10 years. And then um, after sort of working as a management consultant, I was I worked in tech, I actually worked in, in technology sector um, uh, as well in marketing and in sales. And um, I decided that I wanted to really work with nonprofits and teach them, you know, kind of leverage what I'd learned in this in the private sector to help them. Um, it wasn't storytelling at the time, that wasn't what I called it, but it was really helping them to build their brands, um, uh, to be able to um, reach their supporters and you know, raise funds. Uh, and we were actually even helping our organizations create websites back uh, in 2004 for their events. We, we literally, had, we had a company that we outsourced to in Uganda you create little websites when you didn't have, you know, all the all the sites you have now that you can use to to host virtual events um, and to market them. We market events. We literally were doing that, and so um, I've always been thinking about digital and how to integrate it into the things that I was doing um, to help specifically nonprofits at this point. I love the fact that your father was a preeminent playwright, <laughs> and and it's something that as long as I've known you, I just learned a few minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, so part of me wants to just geek out about theater and, and theater history. <laughs> You're a theater nerd, right? <laughs> I am a theater nerd all the way through. I mean, that's what my undergraduate and postgraduate degrees are. are yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't but, know why I never sort of thought of, you know, just, there's so many things we can talk about, right? Yeah, that sort one of, of these days, we're, we're going to get into all of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Today, let's talk about your work and from your perspective, what's going on in the nonprofit sector these days, particularly, of course, you know, the elephant in the room that's pretty much, well, taken over the house is, of course, yeah. COVID-19, which has shifted so many things to virtual, to digital, to online, uh, something that you and I have been preaching for a long time that now has been a, sort of this mad rush for everybody to try to get in there and figure out what they can and can't do. Talk to me, what are you seeing out there at the moment? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's been a rough eighteen months, right? Um, and and for a lot of organizations um, that really weren't prepared for this in terms of being able to um, easily move their programs, their even their sort of their general engagement, whether it's with funders or other other stakeholders online, um, they've really suffered, right? And and quite frankly, those that haven't been able to adapt and were already sort of like you know stretched thin financially you know, were, had to dissolve or they had to merge with other organizations. The organizations that were able to quickly come up to speed, and it's interesting, my, my digital storytelling course, I just went gangbusters in terms of registrations after COVID because people were like just trying to figure this out. Um, and so I've seen that those organizations that not only figured out how to bring their, their fundraisers online, how to figure out how to like really engage their supporters through like, you know, live stream, you know, these sort of like Facebook lives, uh, LinkedIn live and so on and so forth. They, those are the ones that are really uh, starting to, 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 to come out of this. But another, the other audiences, or the, I'm sorry, the other organizations that really have done a great job, they're the ones who've identified new offerings online. Um, and so an example of that is I had a woman in, in, my, in one of my courses um, who worked for Film at Lincoln Center. And Film at Lincoln Center literally had like like a month to basically move its film festival online. You know, it's, they had the catalog move online and they did some in-person events through drive-thrus and things like that. But but they, they what they did was effectively create like a Netflix offering. 
right? So they have the streaming service, which creates a whole new revenue stream down the line for them. Um, and so I just thought it was just, just genius. Now, I understand that there are smaller organizations that are going to be watching this, but I always say, let's learn from the organizations that have some of the budgets or the kind of, you know, the resources that we don't have and figure out, you know, they've already created the blueprint. How do we then emulate what they've done in our specific, specific space? Um, so that's one example. Another example that of an organization I think that's really embraced digital is um, JCC North Association of North America. Another one of my students um, um, is head of marketing for them. And um, in, the, in the past, they've held their JCC ProCon event, which is an annual event in Florida for a couple hundred people, you know, and adults to senior leaders, a few hundred people. This year, they were able to bring it online and attract about 3,000 people. And so what happened by doing that was that they were able to get you know, junior professionals, senior professionals, uh, leaders to and, and leaders to be able to participate in this, you know, professional development conference and bring folks together who'd been separated, you know, during COVID, right? Because JCCs are actual physical locations, so people haven't really seen each other. So in this virtual training, they brought folks together, and it really helped with to boost morale, and it got people to to, to feel like they're part of something bigger because now they're able to to actually, you know, participate in this great training. Um, um, you know, conference. So those are a couple of examples that I've seen of organizations really embracing uh, digital in an effective way. Um, it's not, it's not, it's, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, the technology is actually relatively inexpensive. The problem is it's the culture, right? So there are organizations like, you know, whenever I'm working with my, my students, um, we, you know, we develop the, the course I teach at NYU, we essentially create a digital um, fundraising and marketing plan for their organization. And we always start with a SWOT analysis. And inevitably, <laughs> one of the biggest <laughs> challenges or weaknesses they have is organizational, meaning that they have a culture that does not embrace change. And we're living in a world that you have to be able to adapt to change because things are happening so quickly. They were happening quickly before the pandemic, but you better believe <laughs> they've been accelerated, right? So, so, um, so we have to really think about how do we change our cultures and how do we attract people or how do we change our mindset to be able to embrace this digital because digital is not going away. Digital has been here for a while. And Boris, you and I talked about this, um, you know, back in 2009, when I pitched my, my original course to NYU, it was, you know, just online, you know, fundraising course. I pitched it because I recognized just from my own clients back then they had to, the, the, you know, the huge budgets they had for galas were going, they're gone, right? You know, because of the economic downturn. So it was like, you have to now go online and really rely on online a lot more to be able to engage with the supporters that they need, right? We didn't have all, all the different social media platforms we have right now, but I did recognize that as, as, as a space that they really need to embrace. And I'm sure that's where you were as well. And so looking at where we are today, it's not that different from where we were, you know, 11, 12 years ago. It's just that it what didn't seem as important because then we went back to normal. But I gotta tell you, normal <laughs> is going to be hybrid from now, probably, you know, from now on. So I, I wanna talk about a, a few of those things because I think you touched on several really great key points. The first, in terms of new opportunities that the digital uh, rush, if you will, it's a, kind of a new gold rush yeah. uh, feeling in the nonprofit space and finding new ways to leverage platforms that 
aren't expensive anymore because technology, as as you correctly said, the average cost uh, has has gone down and down. I recently actually came across and and now own access to a tool where you can launch your own Roku channel. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I, I am actually now looking for a client. Yeah, wants to launch their own Roku channel. I'm talking to one of my clients wow. about it right now. Uh, you know, you talk about the film, uh, the film festival going online. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, that, your own channel on, on Roku. Tell yeah. your subscribers where to get it, yeah. and they could watch either in live uh, setup or right. in a format where it's just you know on loop or something yeah. pre-programmed, and and people can pick their own. Oh, now I want to watch this kind of like Netflix or right. Max or any of those. Yeah, right. Yeah, whatever, whatever. So, it means, yeah. is so there. And wow, what a great way to find more people, provide more value, oftentimes with the content that you already have, because a lot of organizations have so much video content already. There you go. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, okay, so so I my hope is, and I and it's not necessarily the case, but my hope is this 18 months that we've had to basically be at home. Um, and had time to reflect has really helped organizations to think about new ways <laughs> to leverage their existing assets. Because why look outside when you actually have so much in, internally that you haven't been leveraging, right? So you record this thing, you have this th these assets and you just put them away, but actually they have value. You just have to know how to use them, right? Yep. Um, so absolutely. And I didn't know about this, this, this new tool, but I mean, that's platform that's incredible you know that i mean to be able to launch your own roku channel just like that that's you know think about it think about who owned media who was able to right back you know 20 30 years ago that was impossible yep today we could compete with the rupert murdoch's and the jeff yeah. bezos of yeah. the world really yeah. who own so much of the media and and the uh, the disney's and netflix's and if our message is more relatable and more relevant to our audience, right. then why not? Yeah. Why why wouldn't they tune into to us instead? I I, I agree with you completely. I definitely agree with you on that. It's funny also you mentioned the the JCC conference. Uh it's awesome that you you spoke to them. Um they have all internally gone through their own kind of revolution as well. And a year ago uh almost a year ago at this time, I was presenting to the leaders of JCC Global right. um, and and the um, all of the different JCC leaders. And I got to talk to them in Russian too, because now it doesn't matter that I'm not physically there. The fact that I speak Russian and can and there's JCCs all over Russia and the former Soviet Union right. allows someone like me to go speak to them. It also allows them to reach Russian-speaking Jews here in the US for extra support. Exactly. It goes both ways. The definition of community has completely changed. Yep. And you you hit the nail on the head. If you don't change, you will die. It's yeah. it's Darwinian at, at that. Yeah. There's been such a proliferation also of nonprofits that have started over the last year and a half and even even before that, but it's accelerated. Yeah. And I feel like, and Liz, maybe you you have a different opinion on this, but you kind of touched on it that in a little while it's going to be too much and we're going to have to start merging organizations or folding them so it's whomever can actually use the best tools today to reach the most people today those are the ones that are going to thrive mm -hmm. so if your mission's important you've got to be there yep it's actually already started 
No, I already started. Um, I had a, I, I hosted a live stream, a LinkedIn live with um, Candid, a couple of people from Candid last May, I think it was. And their, so their estimates um, or the research indicated that about 50% of organizations were going to either, um, you know, they're going to go away or they're going to have to merge based on what happened with the pandemic, right? And we didn't even realize how long the pandemic was going to last, right? And effectively, we're still in the pandemic. We're not post-pandemic. We're still in it. So, we're, so we're, we're in that process right now. We haven't seen the, you know, what, what, what's come out. And you mentioned that there are new nonprofits starting, but it's it's not no longer just about nonprofits. There's social enterprises. There's the, the individual, I was telling about that young man from Italy who has 110 million um, TikTok followers, right? He, and who he he started his TikTok account like in March of last year, right? So I mean, in 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 less than eighteen months, he's been able to develop this following. Now imagine if he decided he wanted to spot to to support a cause or he wanted to support specific communities. He has one hundred and ten uh, people. He can say, "Hey, I want you to support this particular thing." How does a nonprofit compete with that that has you know a thousand followers? Yeah, partnerships with influencers, I think, is a is a big thing. It's a little risky at, at the moment because the influencer, you never know. Let's say that young man from Italy does endorse an organization, and then you know, a few months from now, he does something. Right. No, and that, of course, that, that's that's the, that's the challenge. But the same thing that you have with with ambassadors, right? Organizations that have ambassadors. But I'm saying that that he can either be a, a partner or he can be a competitor. That, that, that's what I'm saying is that, so when you're thinking about competitor in the real world, right, you're thinking who's around me physically. When you go online, that's anywhere, right? I, I as a donor, I mean, I gave money, I, I made a donation to an organization in Cambodia last week. I don't know anything about them, but it was because someone had, it, it was just, it was, it was a thank you to somebody who, you know, who would help me. And I said, please let me know the cause that you like. And she said, this is what I'm interested in. So I made a donation to them. And I, I also made a donation to an organization here in New York. Right. So as a donor, I have a lot of options because I can do that online very easily. You so know? absolutely. We talk a lot about that. The competitive landscape has completely opened up and you were never really just competing uh, with, other organizations in your neighborhood, you are also competing with the Amazons of the world, the Facebooks who want your attention, the Amazons who want your money, right? The discretionary spending hasn't exceeded the growth of opportunity for me to spend my money at any given moment. Right. So it's making that connection to your specific target audience and making a really relevant and resonant connection that's going to make the difference wherever they are around the yeah. world. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, you brought up a good point. It is about story, right? You have to tell a great story and you have to you have to be able to differentiate yourself. It doesn't matter if you're on every platform. It doesn't matter if you have followers. If you don't have a story that's compelling, you don't have a way of engaging with folks in a way that makes sense to them, right? Because um, when we're telling our story, we need to tell it within the context of, of what is going to be of interest to your audience, right? To our audience. Uh, and we tend to forget that. We tend to communicate in, in what, in terms of what's important to us. And a lot of profits could actually communicate that way. But it's really important for us to think about what do the audience want? What does the audience want to know about us? What's going to engage with them? What is going to activate them? Because ultimately you're communicating, you're trying to activate them, right? You're trying to get them to do something. Um, and, and so it's important that we take that into consideration before we think about the channel we do. So we need to be really clear about 
um, the what we're communicating, the why we're communicating, and with whom we're communicating. Yeah, I mean, there are, uh, well, six storytelling questions that we all learned in fourth grade. And well, most of us learned in fourth grade, and they are absolutely key to telling any story. What do you uh, advise, like where should nonprofits be thinking in, in, at the moment to set themselves up for success going forward? Maybe they've been doing some of this, maybe not, but since the landscape has completely changed in, in so many ways, what should they be thinking about right now to be effective going forward? Um, I think it's first and foremost, they, I, it's time to really take stock of where we are and who we are and if, how our and, and what our story is all about. Like, is our story relevant for today? Um, I wrote a piece for Candid last summer about, it was about digital storytelling. I, I spoke about the fact that foundations were starting to shift their focus. They're starting to think about issues around social justice, all, all around COVID-19 relief. And so organizations really need to recast themselves to be relevant. Um, within that context that they wanted to be able to engage those foundations. And so in, uh, along those same lines, I think that we have to think about who are we in this post-COVID or post-COVID era and go, <laughs> ongoing COVID era um, as opposed to what we were pre-COVID because it's going to be different, right? We're, the realities are different. The way that we even engage with people, right? Um, the way that we're you know, online, online versus in-person programming and so on and so forth, uh, it, 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 we, we have to really think about like what, what's going to really resonate with the people we're trying to serve, the communities we're trying to serve, but also what's going to resonate with those that we're trying to engage and, and, and bring uh, to, to come and support us. So that's one of the things is really rethinking who are we, right? We need to really rethink our purpose, our unique value proposition. Um, which requires some soul searching, right? Um, some nonprofit soul searching, even for us as people working in, in this in, in this world in this sector. Uh, the next thing I'd say is that it's really important that we understand that we have to diversify our our fundraising. Um, I think that that a lot of organizations found, and this happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine as well. They were so reliant on just a few. Um, funders and, and even one instance, just one. And when that goes away, you're done, right? And in a situation like this, it's really about having diversified funding sources so that if one goes away or if, or, or if you lose corporate and whatever, then at least you're still able to, to stand. And so that's also something that I think organizations need to think about. Um, so you, you've got, you know, the, the, the corporates, you've got the foundations and the foundations are actually the most stable. Uh, and then, of course, individuals, you've got high net worth, but then you've got the individuals who are online, right? And those folks who can really support you on a monthly basis. You don't want to just get a one-time donation. You want to really look at recurring uh, donations. So so it's important we look at that. And I also say you've got to start internally, right? I didn't even talk about this. I believe that you have no right to ask anyone for money to support your organization if you yourself don't give to that organization. So I always say when I work with my clients, see the board you know, everyone expects the board, the board, senior leadership, and quite frankly, even throughout the organization, it's important that everyone has skin in the game. It's not necessarily that they have to make these big donations, but they, there's something they've got to bring in so that everyone's clear that they're actually, everyone's a fundraiser in your organization. Everyone's part of the mission. So they should feel that they're an investor in it as well. Uh, so it's also looking at how you can take advantage of uh, or leverage the internal sort of your resources to be able to support the organization. And then finally, I would say that, um, you know, I'm not paid by them, but LinkedIn, like um, I wrote an article about it. I believe it's on, it's on your site. Um, 
LinkedIn is such an important uh, platform right now. And I, you know, Boris, I've been at this a long time. So like I've done all, I'm, you know, I've got accounts on every platform. I've used all of them. I'm a clubhouse. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about clubhouse right now, but LinkedIn, if you are serious about engaging with professionals, if you're trying to engage with like foundations, like foundations, you know, there are only 10 of 10% of them who have, that have websites. Um, and so you're going to really try to figure out where, how to connect with their employees. And so that's where you're going to find them. Cause you know, not, not 900 million people have accounts on LinkedIn. So it's important for you to really take advantage of that platform, not only as a sort of a, a site, like a, a lot of people use LinkedIn in the past as a resume site, right? But it's, it's literally like your secondary, um, in some instances, your primary um, uh, organization's uh, website, like a web presence, right? So you got like a landing page. And it gives you an opportunity to showcase um, any of your thought leadership. It gives you an opportunity to uh, present any of your, you know, your projects and your impact. And then it also gives you an opportunity to bring all of your stakeholders together connected to that page so that when you're applying for a grant at you know, whatever foundation and they're doing research on you, they're conducting the due diligence, they get to your digital profile, they'll say, oh, so-and-so is part of the board, so-and-so is part of this. We know that person, we trust that person. Otherwise, you're just sort of like this little organization that they don't know much about. Um, the other thing is that, um, you know, when you're then conducting research and you do find a, 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 whichever company or whoever you're trying to connect with, if you don't necessarily yourself as the fundraiser know that person or have a connection to that company or organization, there might be someone within your, you know, ecosystem, within your network, you know, connected to your page who can make that connection for you. So it's really important to have those connections set up. Uh, and then finally, I would say that, um, you know, you can take advantage of the training. They have so much going on on LinkedIn and, and all nonprofits, qualified nonprofits, um, get 50% off of, of their products. Um, and so great research tool, great place to build the brand. And of course, you and I love live, you know, LinkedIn Live. I did my first LinkedIn Live with you. <laughs> so LinkedIn Live using and also using the LinkedIn um, event sites, right? Those are amazing, the, the, the invitation sites, because those themselves create a whole new landing page for your bet that land that lasts a very very long time and so i'm super excited about it i wrote a piece about it um for um nonprofit times and and in it there are tons of resources so that you don't have to be like well how do i do this i you know i present a, a best practice i give you the resource uh to be able to implement it and I give you other resources that you can use um that you can use to, to leverage linkedin those are all great points and tools that people should be absolutely thinking about. Um, speaking of LinkedIn events, uh, the first LinkedIn event that I was a part of was the one that we just did for the NYU. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I had never been a part of a, a LinkedIn event, and I was really impressed with the reach that it got. Especially, you were able to, we were all able to tag each other in the post, and and the reach was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, so many signups for that. Uh, I was genuinely impressed, and I'm looking forward to using the, the platform for that kind of thing again. Right, it's 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 awesome. And the thing is, what you know, a couple of things that this really takes advantage of is, you see, when you're when you're um, someone sends you an invitation, you get to see who's who's actually already invited. And that helps you because we're all about peer pressure. There's peer pressure, right? We want to be where the cool kids are, right? So you're like, oh, I'll say, oh, Boris is going to that. Okay, that must be cool. I'm going to participate in that versus receiving an, an, an invitation in my inbox. And I don't know anything about the who's attending. I don't know anything. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I may not 
be that into it. But so it gives you the opportunity to, you know, to use that social proof, right, in terms of who else is going. And then within the site, once you do get into the into the um, event, you're able to then also um, access any to any resources that the event organizer shares. So we shared like um, articles, we shared um, that you'd written or I'd written, uh, we shared videos, anything we want, polls. Um, and by the way, just because the event is over doesn't mean we can't com continue to communicate. So I think you saw I posted uh, a post event, um, uh, a post event post yesterday, uh, and that site is live. We can, I mean, next month if we want to add something else, we still can. So it's it's really great because we already know what they're interested in because they sign up for this event. So we can continue to communicate with them um, through this this particular channel. Yeah. Um and it still gets plenty of reach and can be constantly updated. It's pretty great. Uh, we're going to, I think we should actually link to that event as an example for people. And so in the show notes, along with all the other things that we've been talking about and LinkedIn for nonprofits and all of those things, we are also going to link to that event so that people could check it out, see what that was about and how it worked. You could deconstruct it, if, if you will, and see for yourselves. Um, yeah. The power of LinkedIn networking in general, I think for a while, LinkedIn was this kind of, sleeping giant, if you will, where you're right, it was just resumes, essentially yeah. a virtual resume platform and people trying to network to each other to just be able to get a job or something like that. Now it really is a connection tool and organizations that have a message can find people whom it'll resonate with on there. Right. And your, your idea that you mentioned about maybe partnering with organizations, with companies, for-profit businesses, right? they're all on there any for-profit business right. it's yeah you and, and, and here's something that, that I, I should mention you know when you're signing when you're when you're updating your linkedin profile one of the questions that asks you are, are there any causes you're interested in are you interested in in volunteering would mm -hmm. you be interested in board service would you like to mentor so when you're when you have a certain level of account in linkedin as a nonprofit organization you can find those or those leaders those folks who are looking to volunteer for a cause like yours, we're looking to be on a board, of, uh, you know, like yours. And so it's really helping with that kind of outreach, right? Because we we fill it out and don't even think about it, right? I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. But they're actually, they're making it easy for nonprofits or whatever, whoever is looking for that information to be able to look for it, to, to find it. So um, we've teased this event that we did and the program, we've mentioned the program a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to be respectful of your time and, and our sure. listeners' time, but I definitely want to talk about this because it's so exciting. Tell us uh, about this new program at NYU. Okay. So um, as I mentioned to you, I started teaching at NYU in the, well, at the time it was a Hyman Center for Philanthropy and Fundraising. And we were we merged with the um, we're absorbed into the Center for Global Affairs about four or five years ago, um, but uh, the given how much like you know interest there, there was in my course uh, during COVID, um, you know the 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 directors kind of realized that there was probably something here, and I've been talking about it. I'm like we need to expand this program, and so they asked me to create um, a program that would basically take what I developed as, as an overall course that helps an organization to develop its uh, digital fundraising and uh, marketing strategy, looking at the different channels, um, and then break that into the different, break each one into a course, right? So we have you talking about web, you know, high impact websites. I'm team teaching with another woman, uh, with Cheryl Gentry, we're gonna be teaching a course on, um, 
uh, virtual events and fundraisers. Um, and then we're, we have um, Kat, well, she, she already came, right? So yeah, she will yeah, have so been Kat was here. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so she's talking about um, social media um, and, and, and of course you know, with, with Giving Tuesday is part of that. Um, and then we have Dane Weissman, who's going to be covering, um, it's actually a course he already teaches on um, basically social media um, metrics and, and uh, analytics. Um, and so these are the different pieces that we need. So it's a, a certificate program. You can complete it within a two year period. Um, or you can just say, I'm, I'm just interested in one particular course and you can take it and they're, you know, six to seven weeks each, right? So really easy to manage. Um, and they run, you meet once a week. Um, and, 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 and not only is it great content, but literally you walk away, you have um, something that you could, a tool that you can then use for your ongoing campaigns for your organization. I've had my stu some students who use it as a tool to, to get a job. Um, yeah. So it's like an auditioning tool. Um, and quite a number of, of folks also, they implement a lot of what we, what's covered throughout the, you know, the, the period of the course um, in real time. So it's, it's very practical. Um, I'm so excited to see what, you know, what we're going to be doing, you know, with your course. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to sit in on it myself. I want to learn what you're doing. Um, and, and so I just really excited about it because, you know, what we found, if you look at giving to the giving um, USA report, you know, um, overall giving is, you know, it's, it's like a slight bump up, but online giving is like, <laughs> <laughs> is going up significantly, right? And so even over the last three years, it's grown up by 32%. By 32%. Um, and so we're, we're really helping organizations to fully embrace how to do it effectively because, you know, uh, you know, during COVID, folks just scrambled to do it, right? But now we're saying, here's how you can really um, develop a strategy around it. Here's some tools. Here's some of the wisdom we've garnered. Here's some examples, some case studies. I'm going to have GCC Association coming into my course to do a digital engagement case study. So um, I think it's really exciting. Um, and I'm really glad to see that we're able to support the sector in this way, because this is really necessary. I'm not saying the other, other topics in fundraiser are not necessary, but this is definitely very timely. Now, with everything being virtual at this point, do people need to be in the New York metro area to participate? No, the whole program is virtual. The whole program is virtual. In fact, I've had students as far from as far as Singapore. Um, I had from Canada, from Hawaii. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they don't they don't have to be um, they don't have to be in in uh, New York. Um, you know, but the courses are pretty much in the evening, so they have to be able to either wake up really early for the different yeah. time zone or needs you know it's whatever the adjustment is. But people do it. Uh, and it's definitely worthwhile. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, first and foremost, excited that I get to be a adjunct instructor, professor, whatever, whatever it is, instructor, I think. Uh, yeah, at, at yeah. 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 It's look, kind of a lifelong dream for me to be uh, teaching at a university and especially one like NYU. Um, having grown up in New York, it's iconic to me, of course. And yeah. I'm excited to teach all of these things that I've been trying to teach organizations. I'm going to teach other people how to really use them and hopefully partner with nonprofits to help redesign their websites and, and improve things for their own conversions to activate more heroes for their causes. I like to say all the time. Yeah. And anyone who completes it, they can get that certificate and put it up on LinkedIn yeah, exactly. <laughs> to showcase themselves and to showcase yeah. what, what they're working on. And, and that's a really good point you bring up because Boris, here's the thing. 
if you think about our sector, there are not many people with those digital skills, right? And, and, and when I say with those digital skills, with the digital skills and with the, with the, um, the, the formal training, in yep. those schools. And so it is a true differentiator, right? Like it's once you put it in there that, you know, you go from being a fundraiser to being a fundraiser with this digital aspect or marketer with this and, and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So people, again, like I said, they use it to get, you know, to, 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 to get new jobs, but they can get promotions, right. Um, or, or whatever it is that they want to be able to do. And we're, you know, we're building this in such a way that yes, it will, but it benefits nonprofit organizations, but if they're social enterprises, that you know are interested in this, they're welcome. So are foundations because they're you know we're we're really looking to support social impact driven organizations. I often um, answer when I'm asked, uh, you know, why is it that nonprofits are usually you know significantly behind the rest of the field when it comes to digital adoption and usage? That it's partly inherent to to the way that nonprofits are formed, it's not usually by people who graduated with digital marketing skills and now want to start a nonprofit. Right. Although there are plenty that, that have done that and that's fantastic. It's usually people who graduated with different kinds of degrees and now want to put them in the service of, of good or um, are joining an organization that they believe in, but they don't have that digital marketing or that right. website development or fun a digital fundraising kind of right. background to them. And so they're kind of left to fend for themselves or hire consultants or hire expensive people in-house. So right. this program can really help level that playing field for organizations. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, no, I'm, I I agree 100% with you. And it's exciting um, to, to see that because I feel like this this will really move the needle significantly. I mean, I, I've already seen it, right? It's, so it's not it's not theoretical. It definitely will. Uh, and it has. Um, and, you know, and, and really, this is the, to, to my knowledge, this is the first of an offering of this type at a university. So uh, I'm hoping that a lot of people at least check it out. We'll definitely link to it in the show notes so that people yes. can go see the program and all the information, even though- And also to see the webinar. The webinar was, you guys did a terrific job and let them see the webinar too. We'll definitely be linking to that, as I said before, in, in the LinkedIn event so that yeah. you can deconstruct how, how, how we did it and how we got so many people there in the first place. Um, and uh, we'll also link to several of your articles, uh, your nonprofit tech for good uh, pieces. Um, and you mentioned that the blog itself is, is a good resource for people, I believe. Oh, yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah, Heather, who runs it, is awesome. Uh, it's a great resource. So we'll definitely link to that. Um, what is your call to action to any organization, any nonprofit professional, because organizations don't listen, but professionals do. Uh, at this point, they've listened to our interview. What should they go do now? Upskill the digital skills. And I'm not not just because it's not self-serving, but really it's no it's no longer good enough for you to be like a terrific fundraiser or a terrific marketer. You need to have digital. It's just it's it's not a nice to have, it's an essential. Yeah. So absolutely make those investments, whether it's through our program or elsewhere, absolutely make that investment uh, because it's this isn't going away. <laughs> Digital is not going away. And if you see, but I don't know if you can see the book, it's the, it's the opposite. There's a book behind me, which is The World is Flat, Thomas L. Friedman. Um, I read that in 2005, I think it was. And it was, I was really looking at kind of differentiating myself too, what I was working on. And I, and I realized that, you know, 
as as professionals, as organizations, as companies, we have to constantly think about how we reinvent ourselves to be much more relevant. Um, and and to really, if, if, if you're known for real basic things, basic skills, you're never, you're, you, you as a professional can be replaced, right? Or you as a nonprofit or you as a, a company can be replaced. The more that you can really move up the food chain, the more that you can go to more value added kind of offerings. And this is one of them, the, the more in demand you, you will be. Yeah, in um, every industry, you're paid for the value that you can bring to an organization, basically. Yeah, so so that's that's what I would say. Awesome, Liz. If people want to connect with you, um, oh, by the way, I should probably say Liz is not a flat earther. If anybody took that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but Liz, if anybody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I'm at Liz and Gonzi on every platform. Awesome. Um, and they can also email me at uh, en33 at nyu.edu. Fantastic. I'm sure a lot of people will have questions and want to follow up with you. Um, I'm really grateful to you for coming on the show today, Liz, and sharing all this valuable knowledge and having this immensely important discussion with me. Thank you for inviting me. It was so fun. <laughs> and, thanks for, and this was really, really a pleasure for me to do this with you. Awesome, Liz. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more things to talk about and maybe we'll have you on again. Sometime. Yeah, bring me back. Maybe of the other myriad things that you and I can, could dive we can, into. We can talk about plays. We can talk about theater. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm sure there are nonprofits focused on theater that would, would love that conversation, but maybe uh, we'll do that as a, as a, as a side note. As interesting side enough, note. I'm, doing, I'm doing a presentation for, for, for um, arts organizations in the UK next in two weeks. And digital uh, storytelling. Yeah, so send me a copy. <laughs> not, not that unlikely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, actually, maybe an episode specifically for arts organizations would be great because yeah. I do have several arts organizations clients, and they have some particular challenges. Oh, the, they really have gone through it. They really it's yeah. been tough. Yeah, really absolutely. Tough All right, we're gonna do that. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on the Nonprofit Hero Factory. Please, please uh, follow us on all the social media platforms. Subscribe to this podcast. And if you love interviews like the one we just had with Liz Ngonzi, then please go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review so that more people could discover it. Thank you, as always, for all the work that you do to make the world a better place. I'm Boris Kievsky, and I'll see you next time. Thank you all for watching and listening to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We hope this episode has given you some ideas and strategies for creating more heroes for your cause and a better world for all of us. Please be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And let us know what you think by leaving a review.